We here at the Abbey Normal Podcast support local businesses, and we are so excited to announce that Rochester's own Fright Rags is sponsoring this week's episode. Fright Rags was founded by horror fans to provide high-quality merchandise for fellow horror fans with a wide variety of products and collections from franchises such as Halloween, Jaws, Evil Dead, and more. What I love about Fright Rags is the different designs and colors of shirts. I mostly wear dark colored clothes, but every once in a while I'll throw on some green or purple or even red articles of clothing. Fright Rags offers various styles of shirts from men's tees, women's tees, baseball style t-shirts, and even tie-dye t-shirts. As some of you may know, I work in a professional office building and part of my wardrobe is pressed pants, button-up shirts, and the occasional polo shirts. Which is great because Fright Rags not only sells printed t-shirts, but officially licensed polo shirts with movie logos embroidered onto the front pocket. Check out their website at www.frightrags.com and as of now our listeners can use the promo code ABBYNORMAL10 to get 10% off their first Fright Rags order. That's A-B-B-Y-N-O-R-M-A-L-10. So get your Fright Rags made by the fans for the fans. The following episode contains major plot points of movies. A spoiler warning is advised. This episode also contains topics that may be disturbing for some viewers, so viewer discretion is also advised. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Abbey Normal Podcast. I am your host, Colin. And I'm Aaliyah. And we're going to talk about our third part of the series for Chucky franchise. I know, we finally got to the final part of this speed review installment of the Child's Play franchise. And it's a lot. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a rough, well I wouldn't say rough. It's just been a lot to unpack these mm-hmm. past couple of weeks. And I know last week I had mentioned it was totally unplanned for us to release these episodes the same time that Dead Meat was releasing their recounts mm-hmm. of the Child's Play franchise. But I also wasn't planning on both the first part and the second part to have the same runtime with each other. I yeah. think it's like an hour and 30-something minutes each. Well, I thought so- you said there was an hour and 13 minutes each. Yeah, I think so. Something along those lines. But when I when I posted part two and I saw the total runtime amount, I was like, oh, I was not planning on that happening, <laughs> which I thought was really cool. Like I said last week, we, this week we're going to be talking about The Curse of Chucky, The Cult of Chucky, and then season one of The Chucky Show, which is already on Peacock if you guys haven't seen it. Yeah. I would definitely check it out. And the new episodes for the new season is going to be up next month on Peacock on October 5th. Yeah, so the trailer for season two is already out. I would definitely check it out because it looks really cool. It's it's pretty good, yeah. We'll we'll talk a little bit more about it when we get to the show of Chucky. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited for season two. I think it's going to be coming out, what, within the next, like, month or so? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I said that, October 5th. Oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) But I did want to talk about something really cool because I did post it when Fangoria posted their uh, month of September releases for streaming services. And Peacock is definitely on fire. Peacock has a lot of new releases this month, which I'm very, very excited for. And plus, not only that, a lot of old releases as well, too, that they're bringing back. Like, they're doing their what they did last year, like the Universal Monster movies. Yeah. Because I think Universal comes through Peacock and stuff like that. Like, a lot of those movies go through peacock probably yeah i mean it's really cool if they do mm-hmm. and when we when i was going through the list of all the different streaming services and i saw peacocks 
They're going to be releasing The Bride of Frankenstein, which is a movie I have yet to see, but I really enjoy because Bride of Frankenstein is just an iconic movie. Mm -hmm. And I think we mentioned this in a previous episode, but we are planning on getting Bride of Frankenstein tattoos. Well, I'm getting the monster and she's getting Bride of Frankenstein. So yeah, so I'm excited to get my tattoo. It's going to be October 1st when I get it done, so I'm very excited about it. Because I'm not only getting that done, but I'm also going to get a chest tattoo done also that I'm planning on doing. Yeah, so we're we're excited for that movie to be released. Mm -hmm. And then they just re-released all of well, not all, but they released a lot of Alfred Hitchcock movies on Peacock also. Which, by the way, we watched Rare Window the other day, and that was Rare very Window. Rare Window. Rare. Rear? Rare? No. Rear. Yeah, there rear, you go. Rear, rare. Rear. Rear Window. Yes, Rear Window. It's, as, as you all know, it's one of my favorite movies. Not just like my favorite Alfred Hitchcock movie, but one of my favorite thriller movies of all time. If it had to be in like your top five or ten. Yes, it's definitely in my top five of favorite like movies of all time. So Ugh. Cal and I watched it together and I really enjoyed it. I also watched Psycho for the first time. Mm-hmm. That's also on Peacock. I laughed at that because I've been watching that movie since I was a kid. So you tell me you just watched it now. I'll be like, yeah. I remember my first beer. That's well, what it feels like. If you all remember from our psycho thriller episode with my sister as our guest host, she pointed out like a couple of Alfred Hitchcock movies on her list and I said, oh yeah, I haven't seen Psycho and she's like, oh Leah. She's like, you're a host of a horror movie podcast and you had yet to see Psycho, which I was embarrassed (laughs) to say yes. I think that was a pretty good Kelso burn, but yes. But I finally got around to watching it, and I will say it was a very interesting movie in a very good way. Mm -hmm. Although I will say that going into the movie, I already know what the plot twist was. I already know that Norman is Norma Bates, and he was really the one going around killing all these people in the movie. What I didn't know was how Norma actually died, and apparently Norman had poisoned his mother and her boyfriend. He had not surrendered her body to the funeral home to be buried like they picked out the dress that she was going to wear to be buried in and he picked out the casket and everything but as far as like putting the body into the ground he didn't actually do that so he used his taxidermy skills to try to keep her body preserved for 10 years and had had her hidden in the house fucking gross but what I thought was very odd was how that wasn't already like realized earlier on in the movie because there was a lot of things that were being said about Norma Bates that were contradicting themselves which led me to believe even if I hadn't already known what the plot twist was I would have guessed already that Norman was Norma mm-hmm. because first of all Every time people are pointing out, like, oh, there's a, there's a woman upstairs in the house. And he's like, oh, that's my mother. You know, she's handicapped. She can't really move a lot. So she just sits in the window. And we don't really see Norma's face. We just see somebody who's dressed like Norma killing these people. So it's like, okay, so now you've already contradicted yourself. You're saying she can't walk, but yet we see her walking. And we see her killing people. So there goes that whole spiel there out the window. And then on top of that, you have locals telling Marion Crane's sister and her boyfriend that Norma Bates has been dead for 10 years. So if you saw a woman in the house, that couldn't have been Norma because she died. And then it's like, okay, so if she's dead, as the locals say, but Norman is saying she's alive, then either he faked her death to get everybody away from the house or to stop asking about Norma, or they're all telling the truth, and Norman is just really fucking delusional, which just proves to be true later on in the movie. Mm. So 
there is a lot of things being said about Norma that just contradict one another, which then leads me to believe, like, yeah, Norman's lying about Norma being alive, and he's Probably. really the one that's killing people. And then, surprise. and then another thing hit me. So there's a scene in the movie Psycho where it's like a weird POV shot from above. How, like, Norman goes upstairs and goes to talk to his mother, and we don't see the interaction, but we hear the conversation, and he's telling her that I have to hide you in the fruit cellar because people are going to start coming and looking for you because all these people are disappearing now. And she's saying, well, I'm not going to go down the cellar. You can't make me. He's like, come on, I'll carry you. Which made me even more confused because it's like, okay, no. Because we just saw her walk through the halls and kill the private investigator, pushed him down the stairs, and then stabbed him. So she can clearly walk, and she has the ability to overpower another man. So why is she letting her adult son carry her downstairs into the basement if she's capable of doing all these things? Yes. Which just, again, contradicts the theory that... I'm, I'm rambling. I'm sorry. I just found the whole thing about Norma Bates to be one big contradiction, which just kind of, like... I get that you're trying to throw the audience off, but the ending was still pretty interesting. Anyway, that's all I had to say. Yes, yes. So we don't have to do a podcast episode of it. No, we will definitely do like an Alfred Hitchcock discussion eventually, but I do want to go a little bit more in depth about this one. All right. Well, let's go more in depth about the Chucky series now. Yeah, so we'll wrap up this part three of the Child's Play franchise. And I do want to say, usually when we do these reviews... There's a certain format in which we go about this. I do, I give you guys a breakdown of the movie, what it's about, the director, and the cast, and stuff. And then I go into a very long-winded discussion of the movie itself and its plot. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do something a little bit differently for time's sake. I'm going to be reading the plot from the Wikipedia page of these movies. So hopefully it will help us speed up time a little bit because... Going through these things individually to edit is taking a lot of time to do. So I'll go through and I'll give you the information and I'll start going through the plot. And then somewhere along the way, I will stop and we'll talk about the interesting fun facts about these movies. Okay? Okay. All right. So The Curse of Chucky was released on October 8th, 2013. And it was actually a direct-to-DVD release. Mm-hmm. Actually, the first of the franchise to be a direct-to-DVD release. And so was the other one, too. What other one? The one after that, Cult of Chucky. Oh, yeah, right. It has a runtime of an hour and 37 minutes, and it's actually the longest movie in the franchise. Really? Yeah. At 97 minutes, it's the longest of the Child's Play franchise. It has an IMDb score of 5.6 out of 10. It was directed by Don Mancini. It stars Brad Dourif and his daughter Fiona Dourif playing Nika, Daniel Basuti, Alex Vincent, and Brennan Elliott. Now, if Alex Vincent's name sounds familiar to you, it should because he played Andy in the original Child's Play movies, parts one and two. Mm-hmm. So he does have a reappearance in the later series. Or That's later more movies. like the post-credits. Some post-credits. He does get a little bit more of an appearance in the Cult of Chucky, but we'll get to that eventually. So the synopsis goes, Out for revenge, Chucky the killer doll infiltrates the family of a woman, her sister, and her young niece. What do you have to say about, like, what are your initial thoughts about this movie? I like this one that um, it kind of almost went back to basics a little bit. I mm-hmm. mean, it wasn't so funny funny. I mean, there was funny parts, but it was a little more serious. Yep. And that's why I liked about it, because it kind of needed to go back to that, like kind of how it was in the first uh, Child's Play. Yeah, and this movie was actually shot in 30 days. 
and Brad Dourif provided or recorded all of his lines in less than a day. Wow. Yeah, and actually, he Chucky the, himself, he doesn't actually start speaking in his original voice until about 44 minutes into the movie. So we get like a bit of a build-up to the actual reveal of Chucky being that's a killer. Good. Yeah. It's good, and it's interesting, but I'm going to go into the just a little bit. So the makers had a practical joke at a bus stop to promote the film. A billboard of, of the movie's poster would light up, and an actor dressed as Chucky would suddenly bust through the billboard and scare whoever was nearby, which I think is an interesting way of marketing it. And it kind of reminds me of how they marketed the It movie, the remakes. Yeah. Because they kind of had a similar thing come out around that time where, like, killer clowns were making a huge appearance all over the country. And I think that's an interesting way to kind of market a movie. Yeah, it was really not that smart either because you didn't have them get hurt. Yeah, things like that can generally go wrong. Uh, People could get arrested some of them were uh, actually getting their ass whooped. Yeah, some people could actually like try to confront these people and people could get very hurt that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. But I just thought that was an interesting thing to mention, you know, the promotion of the movies. And it was the first film in the series to have Charles Lee Ray in it since the original Child's Play movie. True. And what I mean by that is... His actual form. Yeah, his actual human form. Because up until this point, we'd only see Charles Lee Ray in the first movie when yeah. he is chased by Mike Norris and gunned down in the yeah, toy store. Yeah, only like five, five, ten minutes of him on screen in the first one. Don Mancini described this film as his first real horror film as a director since Seed of Chucky was more of a comedy in his eyes. Yeah. So, there's an actress named Summer H. Howell. She plays Nika's niece, Alice. This is actually her film debut also. Okay. So this is the first that she's performed in. Mm-hmm. So, at the 2013 New York Comic Con, celebrating 20 years of Chucky, someone in the audience asked Alex Vincent if it was strange to be involved with the franchise again after so long. And he smiled and said, I always knew Chucky would be back for me eventually. That's pretty real. Yeah. I like that. I mean, that's a pretty cool answer, Mm -hmm. especially when you haven't been in the uh, franchise in so long. So it's cool like to have a nice little welcome back like that. So it's cool to say something in those lines where it just kind of gives people the chills. Right. And Brad Dourif has even said that this is his favorite Chucky movie, which I agree. When I first saw this movie, like I think I, I think I actually saw this when it came out on DVD, and we watched it together. Yeah, and I was interested because I was like, "Huh, this is a very interesting." Like, first of all, I didn't even know that they were making it on DVD. Yeah, because I was like, I didn't even know that they were making another Chucky movie, Mm -hmm. and then you see the box of it, and it looks pretty sinister, and I'm like, "Oh, this looks pretty interesting. We should check it out." And then we watched it, and like you said, it's a lot darker than the previous film which was seed of chucky mm-hmm. and i thought it was a really good take on it so i applaud don mancini for going a little bit darker with these movies is there anything you want to say before we get into the plot uh no i think we got everything for the most part so yeah i do want to point this out because i was reading it earlier and i thought it was very odd but one of the earlier ideas during the 2000s of making a sixth movie was to make it a musical and had Chucky's son Glenn trying to marry a woman named Carrie who was a serial killer and wanted to have three children with him 
However, the negative backlash of Seed of Chucky was loud and clear that fans wanted the next movie to have the same dark and scarier tone of the first three films, despite director Don Mancini enjoying that the style of comedy he wrote before. It seemed cool. Alright, so I'll go into the plot, and like I said, I'm going to be reading from the Wikipedia page of the movie. So in 2013, a good guy doll called Chucky mysteriously arrives in the mail at the isolated home of paraplegic Nika Pierce and her mother, Sarah. Sarah repeatedly and compulsively paints pictures of sunflowers. Later that night, Sarah is found dead from a stab wound and her death is ruled as suicide. I do want to point out, though, that sunflower thing comes up later in a flashback, but uh, when they get a package in the mail, it's from the return address shows an evidence depository, which mm-hmm. raises a lot of questions from Nika, who doesn't understand like where this doll came from and why it was being sent to them from an evidence depository. Because things like that are tend to be kept locked away for a very long time, and it's never usually released to people until the cases are usually solved. Yeah. But even then, not something that you would normally get in the mail. And on top of that, we know that Nika... Like, she's very independent for a paraplegic, and she gets herself up, dressed, and ready for the day. She cooks her own meals. She talks with her mother. And actually, they have their home. uh, They actually have an elevator system that was designed to be the same elevator system used in the original Child's Play movie at Andy's apartment. Hmm. Remember? Yeah. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Any thoughts you want to point out before we go further, or anything you want to say about that scene? I felt bad for Nika. Because yeah. she was in the wheelchair and she really wanted to, like, have love interests and, you know, she really couldn't. Yeah, there's a scene where she's interacting with the delivery guy at the door and her mother shows up and he kind of, she kind of excuses him away from the door and away from Nika. And Nika says, I think he really liked me. And she's like, oh, he was just being nice, you know. And in a very weird passive-aggressive way was trying to say no guy would ever be interested in a girl like you. That's really fucked. Which is kind of fucked up to say. I shouldn't say kind of. It's incredibly fucked up to say. Yeah. We also learned, too, in Nika's day-to-day routine, she's a psychology major and is in college. And she actually is writing a thesis about something called completion anxiety, about how when people start up a project or a passion about something... They'll start it and they'll halfway complete it, but the idea of completing that project and not having anything to go from there causes people anxiety, which I understand as somebody like myself who like when I used to do art projects, like I would be so excited about starting a project and then I would start the project and then afterwards it's like, okay, where do I go from here? So sometimes like certain projects get picked up and are half completed because it's like, okay, well if I complete it, then I have to figure out what the next thing is. So she writes a thesis about it, which I thought was pretty interesting, and that also comes up later on in the movie. So continuing, Nika is visited by her sister Barb, accompanied by her husband Ian, their daughter Alice, and their live-in nanny Jill, and priest Father Frank. Alice finds Chucky and is allowed to keep him, and that evening while Alice and Nika are making chili for dinner, Chuck Chucky secretly pours rat poison into one of the dinner bowls. I do want to stop here to take a moment. So one of the interesting things about this whole dynamic with the family is that obviously Barb, having chosen a different career and life path than Nika, went on to get married, start her own business, have a family, and now she's got to live in nanny helping to take care of her daughter while her husband Ian doesn't really have a job. He actually got laid off from his job and is in between part-time jobs. 
So he's trying to pick up his slack on the relationship of trying to provide financially, and it's not really doing wonders for Barb and her marriage with Ian. Any thoughts? Well, so he's cheating on her with the maid. No. With, with the babysitter. Nope. What? That's what the movie wants you to think when we are introduced to this family. We think that this is a family with financial struggles, with a marriage that's about to end due to financial straits and a possible affair. And we think that it's Ian. But it's not. But it's not. It's, it's Barb. Barb. Barb is the one having an affair with Jill. That kind of that kind of like surprised me. Like yeah, because again, you I thought it'd be we, the other way around. Exactly, because that's what we typically think when we watch movies. Is that when people are having an affair with a married person, it's usually the man who's married having an affair with another woman. And Barb seems like the type to really take charge. Yeah, she's a very she's that typical boss bitch type of woman. She really is. Because she's the one making the most money. She's the one trying to provide for the family while Ian is trying to figure out what the next step is since he's been laid off on his job. And all the while still hiring a nanny. To which Ian even says, we don't need a nanny. He's like, if I'm working part time and we're already struggling financially enough as it is. And you're paying her more than what typical live-in nannies make. That it just raises a bunch of eyebrows on Ian's end. So he does start to suspect that... Barb is keeping Jill on for more personal reasons than as a daycare for Na- for Alice. Yeah. And then Father Frank, who's brought in, and I'm trying to remember who he is played by. Father Frank is... A. Uh, Martinez plays Father Frank. A. Martinez. But he plays Father Frank, and he is invited by Barb to come to the house to help not only with funeral preparations for their mother, but to kind of convince Nika to do something she adamantly doesn't want to do, and that is to consider moving out of their house and into a dependent living facility. Mm-hmm. Nika clearly doesn't like this idea because she's been independent for a long time, even with her mother, and she doesn't think that she should have to be sent away just for Barb's sake. You know what I mean? And I think Barb is also doing it out of embarrassment too because she thinks, well, now that my mother is gone, I'm going to have to take care of Nika on top of like having to take care of my family too. Which uh, Nika even says that's not the case. You don't have to do take, that. You don't have to take care of me. I'm okay. Yeah. yeah. But I'm pretty sure Barb is doing it because she's like, well, if I can get Nika out of the house, then I can sell it and I can use the money to help myself financially. She's so fucked. It is fucked. But let's let's move on because yes, I on. think yeah. that's let's get let's keep talking more about this. So Father Frank eats the poisoned dish. Because it's a very suspenseful moment where, like you said, we see Chucky put the rat poison in one of the bowls. We don't but know it which one. We don't know which one it is. And for a moment, we almost think that it's Alice. But then Father Frank starts to feel a little bit uneasy. He's sweating. He's turning pale. He excuses himself from the dinner and leaves the house. Well, he becomes so sick from the rat poison that he gets into a car accident, which not only results in being severely injured, but decapitated as well which is even more gruesome yeah which the killings in this were actually pretty good too yeah they're very interesting yeah after he leaves he gets sick and ends up in a car accident that decapitates him as i mentioned that night nika wonders where the doll came from and investigates chucky on the internet and she finds news articles about the murders tied to both the doll and charles lee ray Mm -hmm. elsewhere chucky comes to life and electrocutes jill causing a blackout searching for alice barb goes to the attic clutching chucky and finds sarah's large collection of paintings of the sunflowers 
She finds a knife inside Chucky's shirt and peels some of Chucky's now loose plastic skin, revealing the stitches created by his ex-girlfriend Tiffany hidden beneath. Oh, wow. Now, remember, when we last saw Chucky prior to this movie, it was in Seed of Chucky, and he still had all those, like, stitchings and scars and kind of mangled-looking self. Which is interesting because only four of the eight of Chucky's stapled scars are unearthed in that attic scene that existed from the Bride of Chucky movie. And there are three more on his head and one on his right hand. So it's another intense scene where we know that something bad is going to happen to Barb because she's going upstairs to the attic by herself in a blacked-out house. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we worry a little bit. Especially when she sets Chucky down and he starts to kind of like move on his own without really Barb noticing. And when she notices that he's been moved, it's freaky. So she starts to notice that some of his skin is a little loose and she starts to peel it off slowly, revealing all these scars. And if you see the trailer for Curse of Chucky, this scene kind of gets highlighted a bit because there's another moment where after she reveals some of the scars, she goes to slowly... peel off another one and he like that's when he lunges at her and reveals that he's alive which is a very terrifying moment but I did want to go back to Jill's death scene because there was something in here that I found that I thought was very interesting the scene where Jill gets killed she's in her room and she's on the computer and she's video calling Barb who's in bed with Ian who's pretending to sleep this is where we see Chucky who takes a bucket of water that was like collecting like drippings from the rain and mm-hmm. stuff and he kicks it over and the water splashes over the electrical sockets where uh jill's computer's plugged in and it electrocutes her and the way she's electrocuted because her her face starts to burn when she's being electrocuted burning this takes place on her face is around her right eye mirroring the damage chucky had shown around his in the previous two films then later in this film when it is discovered that he is this new and clean chucky doll has used prosthetics to cover those damages it's an interesting part when that all happened i definitely like the kill in that one that's for sure yeah and there was something in here too that i thought was really interesting that i didn't even notice Apparently, Summer H. Howell, the girl who played Alice, she was truly scared of Chucky and his face. Mm -hmm. Especially the scarred up face. So, during those scenes in which they were in the same room together, they either would have to, like, tape up his face or superimpose his shots with her scenes. Because she was truly that scared to be around him, which I thought was really interesting. But they also had some similar parallels with the first movie. So there's a scene where Barb goals Alice or for swearing, and it's similar to the original film where Karen confronts Andy after thinking he was saying something terrible about Maggie's death. And there is a scene where we see Alice is looking for Chucky, and we see Chucky move in the background, and it's similar to Maggie's death scene. You know, she's in the kitchen, she's walking around, but we see movement in the background, we know that it's Chucky. Mm-hmm. So going back to the movie. So yeah, so... Uh, the more they find out in this movie that Chucky is alive and he's going through to go to each person mm-hmm. to to kill and everything. So Chucky springs to life and stabs Barb in the eye. Nika hears Barb scream and crawls up the stairs, discovering her body and the doll alive. When Chucky flees, Nika wakes Ian up in a panic who is unable to find Alice. He disarms Nika, believing her to be responsible for the murders. Nika tries to explain. Hmm? Nika tries to explain that Chucky is alive. Well, she sees that Chucky is alive. She tries to tell Ian, but he finds Jill dead. He finds Barb dead. 
can't find Alice anywhere, so he thinks Nika is responsible. Because, of course, who believes somebody when they say that a doll is alive and murdering people in the house? Mm-hmm. Nobody. Not a sane person, at least. So, he confines Nika, keeps her from being able to move in her wheelchair, and he actually had put a nanny cam in the Chucky doll to figure out what Barb was really up to, and he did record, like, videos of Barb making out with Jill, confirming that she was, in fact, having an affair. He also figures out that Chucky was moving on his own, talking in a guy doll voice. Yes. He hears Chucky swear, and he sees Chucky putting Alice in a closet. And you want to know what's even more interesting? When he sees this footage, he tells Alice to shut the fuck up, and she says, Chucky, stop swearing. It's similar to the way that Tyler tells Chucky not to swear in the third movie, in yeah. the third Child's Play movie. Mm-hmm. Put a lot of parallels in these movies. Well, I kind of feel like they will go to reference some of the old stuff. Right. So let's keep going. So Nika tries to explain that Chucky is alive, but Chucky acts lifeless. Ian decides to review the footage from a nanny cam that he had planted on Chucky earlier to get evidence of Barb's, Barb's suspected sexual affair with Jill. And learns that Alice is locked in a closet and that Chucky truly is alive. Exposed, Chucky kills Ian by chopping off his lower jaw with a hatchet. Nika manages to break out of her restraints and avoids the hatchet by blocking it with her numb leg. It gets stuck, allowing Nika to grab it and behead Chucky. As Nika covers her wound, Chucky reattaches his head and pushes Nika off the balcony onto the ground floor. Now that thing, that that part where he puts his head back on or is able to move his body without the head, is also similar to the first movie because that's what happens towards the end of the movie. I do want to point out one more thing too. Prior to Jill's death scene there's a moment where nika barb and ian and jill are all sitting in the living room and they're watching home movies and they see like a birthday party of barb's when she was about four their mother was pregnant with nika at the time and their father was still alive and barb points out that this was taken right before dad died and before nika was born they notice a man in the background of the footage and nika asks who's that and you know barb said i don't know She's like, I think he was a friend of mom's. She's like, I don't really remember him all that much. But it turns out to be Charles Lee Ray in yeah. the background. When Nika asks why Chucky is doing this. He explains through through flashbacks that as Charles Lee Ray, he was a friend of her family and be, became obsessed with Sarah. Ray killed Nika's father and kidnapped Sarah while she was pregnant with Nika. Charles brought dozens of flowers to the captive Sarah, the same sort of flowers that Sarah compulsively painted. When Sarah betrayed him, he stabbed her in the stomach, which resulted in Nika being born paraplegic and escaped. Ray's escape from the police ultimately led to his death as a human, which is why he came back to Sarah for revenge. Nika, after stalling by taunting him about his inability to kill former target Andy Barkley, manages to retreat into her home elevator disarms Chucky and plunges a knife into his back. Chucky remains motionless for a while before springing back to life. Now, remember what I said about completion anxiety. That's the kind of tactic she uses to taunt Chucky about his inability to finish off Andy. Mm -hmm. Which does piss him off because, to a certain extent, he holds a grudge against Andy Barkley for multiple reasons. Probably one of the biggest reasons that is currently happening in this movie is the fact that adult Andy, living secluded out in the woods has a decapitated chucky head that he uses to torture 
on a daily basis to, as an outlet for his trauma and rage towards the killer doll. Mm-hmm. Probably. I'm just assuming. But that's just my theory. Anyway, Officer Stanton, the same officer who found Father Frank's body, arrives at the house and sees Barb's body. Nika holds a bloody knife alone in the elevator while Chucky sits motionless in the corner of the room. Sometime later, Nika is blamed for the murders and sent to a mental asylum. Chucky is retained by Stanton after being used as an exhibit at her trial. Stanton is ambushed and killed by Tiffany, still in Jennifer Tilly's body, and she collects Chucky and later goes to a packaging center to ship him off to a new victim. Meanwhile, Alice, now living with her grandmother, comes home from school to find Chucky waiting for her. Chucky starts the voodoo chant to transfer his soul into Alice's body, while in the next room, her grandmother suddenly sits up with a bag over her head. As she gasps for air, the screen goes black. In a post-credit scene set six months later, Chucky, still in his doll body, is delivered to Andy, now an adult. When Andy turns his back to answer a phone call from his mother, Chucky cuts his way out of the package with a knife. Chucky looks around the house only to have Andy shoot him with a shotgun. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was pretty interesting. I think that was a good ending. I thought that was a great ending to the movie. And it's actually the only Child's Play movie where Chucky actually wins at the end. Yeah. Because in his way, he was able to complete the voodoo ritual by transferring his soul into Alice... And by framing Nika for the murders in this movie, has sent her away to a mental asylum, which then continues over into Cult of Chucky. But what are your thoughts about this? It's a good movie. I really like it. I enjoy every bit of it when I saw it. And especially that ending. The ending was perfect. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was definitely a good ending to a follow-up to the second one. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I thought it was a good movie. Like I said, when I first saw it, I... A, didn't know that they were going to continue the Child's Play franchise, and B, when I watched it for the first time, I thought it was definitely a lot better than its previous films, and I definitely thought it had a lot more darker and grittier themes to it than even the originals. Because the originals, although were scary, definitely by the third movie, it kind of loses its, its thrill or its horror bit. Mm-hmm. But I definitely thought this movie was a good redemption to the franchise. And I was interested to see that like they were picking up the franchise in this way and then continuing on with it in the way that they do, but in the next movie and then with the Chucky series. So my review that I had written down is this is a more darker continuing of the franchise and it perfectly incorporates Duraf's daughter into the film and showcases Chucky's life before the events of the original film. Or so we believe. Because in the Chucky series, there is another alternative as to how Chucky was turned in to the police. Remember? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to talk a little bit more about it when we get into the series. But anything else you wanted to touch on before we get into the next one? No, not really. The Cult of Chucky was released on October 20th, 2017 with a runtime of an hour and 31 minutes with an IMDb score of 5.2 out of 10. It was directed by Don Mancini. It stars Fiona Duraf, Brad Duraf, Jennifer Tilly, Alex Vincent, and Adam Hurtig. Adam Hurtig played Officer Satin in the last movie, Curse of Chucky. And the synopsis goes, Chucky returns to terrorize his human victim, Nika, who is confined to an asylum for the criminally insane. Meanwhile, the killer doll has some scores to settle with his old enemies with the help of his former wife. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts? Yeah, no, it was... No, I... Um, this one's a little interesting. I mean, while we're still having the seriousness and everything, 
there was still a little bit of weirdness. Yeah, and, uh, I, I definitely think it starts off pretty dark. Yeah, especially it, Nika had sex with someone. Yeah, because Adam Hurtig plays Michael in this one. He's a fellow patient who they called multiple Malcolm or multiple Michael because he's got multiple personalities. And yeah. each personality apparently is somebody who is more successful than him with the same letter of his first name. His other personality is Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook and uh michael phelps the swimmer or something like that oh my god so he that's why that's what he's known for in this movie and him and nika start to kind of have a fling but once she realizes that like i didn't realize that you were you have multiple personalities yeah i do want to mention like post or pre-release information which i thought was pretty interesting but two weeks before the film was officially released the film was leaked in its entirety to twitter and youtube in response to the leak, Don Mancini tweeted, To the geniuses who leaked Cult of Chucky and tweeted about it, congrats. Not only are you terrible people, now Universal lawyers know who you are. Alex Vincent stated that he didn't understand the logic since the movie would be available to watch on Netflix. Yeah. Which I get it. I mean, unless you're able to afford... I mean, back then, the subscription to Netflix was still, like, I think seven ninety nine. dollars probably. it was cheaper than that, but I think it is seven ninety nine. I I was paying seven ninety nine for Netflix before they bumped up their prices to eleven ninety nine Because eleven ninety nine used to be what Hulu's prices were in the beginning of their subscriptions. Well, it's kind of funny when your yours went up to eleven ninety nine because when I was still paying before I got rid of mine, I was still paying, like, eight ninety nine for it and stuff. Yeah, I actually had to upgrade my subscription so that way multiple people in our family could use my Netflix account on multiple screens. So that's why we all enjoy Netflix at the same time. Right, so that's what I did, but they since have bumped up their prices. And I get that a lot of people at the time were like, well, I can't really afford Netflix right now. But now in this day and age where streaming services are kind of like your number one sources of entertainment... I can see why cable television isn't always, like, the most reliable either. I really, I don't know, I just, if I'm going to watch anything on cable television, it'll probably be just, like, uh, professional wrestling where, like, some Halloween specials are on cable. Yeah, but apparently you can also get live sports segments on Peacock as well. Mm Mm-hmm, I know that. you can do that as well. Yeah. I thought that was an interesting thing to share. Is there anything you want to talk about before I get into the plot? Um, other than just this whole movie, especially in the Asylum, just seems really fucked. And I kind of like this, that this was a little more fucked up than the first one. And it's actually kind of interesting because uh, along with this taking place in an asylum, they make a lot of references with One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which I didn't know was also a Brad Dourif movie because I haven't seen this movie yet. Well, Brad Dourif's been in movies since the 70s, so this is one of his movies. I understand that, but I have not seen One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, so... It's a good one. I think it's interesting that they make those kind of references when they have actors from other movies in it. Yeah. Like I said, you have the asylum setting, you have like a bunch of references that they make. Like there's a scene where Nika, when she first meets m- multiple Malcolm at the mental hospital, she trades with him a stick of juicy fruit gum for a cigarette. Oh. Which he begins to chew and says, mmm, juicy fruit. It's an obvious reference to one of the scenes in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which again, I haven't seen it, so I don't know how obvious that is, but even Chucky calls this place the Cuckoo's Nest. So there's definitely a big reference to that movie in this one. Right. So I'm going to go ahead and get into the plot. 2017, Andy Barclay has been torturing the disembodied head of Chucky for four years. Meanwhile, wheelchair-bound Nika Pierce 
has been in the mental institution after being framed by Chucky for the murders of her family. Nathan now believes she was responsible for the murders and that Chucky was a manifestation of her psychosis. Dr. Foley, Nika's doctor, has her transferred to a medium security psychiatric hospital. In group therapy, Nika meets Malcolm, a man with multiple identity disorder, Angela, a woman who believes she is dead, Claire, a woman who burned her house down, and Madeline, or Madeline, I can't remember the pronunciation of her name, mm-hmm. but she is a patient who smothered her infant son. Foley introduces a therapy technique involving a good guy doll. Most of the patients are unsettled, except for Madeline, who treats it as her baby. Nika is then visited by Tiffany Valentine, the legal guardian of her niece, Alice, and is devastated to learn that Alice has died. Tiffany leaves Nika a good guy doll, which she claims was a gift from Alice. That night, Chucky awakens and discovers that Nika has slit her wrist. The next morning, Nika finds that her wrists have been stitched up and that Angela has been killed. After realizing Valentine was the last name of Chucky's girlfriend, Nika realizes that Chucky is real. Fearing Madeline is in danger, Nika has Malcolm warn her, and Madeline throws both the doll and Malcolm into an empty grave, but they are rescued by orderlies. Malcolm begins to refer to himself as Charles and act in a manner similar to Chucky, making Nika suspect that he has been possessed. Chucky then kills Claire by decapitating her, and it is one of the most gruesome death scenes in this whole fucking movie. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Yeah, because you remember? So Claire, in an argument with the doctor, gets sedated, and she gets taken to a room to just kind of coast. Mm -hmm. Chucky then comes in and, with a pressurized air tank, shoots it up into the skylight window, and all these shards of glass come down and kill Claire. Similar manner as to how the con artist couple and Bride of Chucky were murdered in Bride of Chucky. See, another great reference. Right. Andy learns about the murders and realizes that Chucky has somehow managed to transfer his soul into multiple bodies at once. In a private session with Foley, Nika agrees to be hypnotized in order to access any repressed memories about the murders. Foley, who has been sexually abusing Nika is hit from behind by Chuck. Fully believes Nika is the one who assaulted him, but is willing to keep quiet in order to blackmail her for more sexual favors. Madeline smothers her good guy doll with a pillow, forcing her to confront the repercussions of her real child's death. Orderlies bury the doll in order to placate Madeline, and Andy commits himself into the institution by assaulting a security guard. Carlos, a nurse, delivers a package to Foley, which is another good guy doll with short shaved hair. Madeline is visited by her own doll and allows it to kill her. That was also another gruesome death scene, and it doesn't say it here in the passage, but what he does is he shoves his hand down her throat and essentially rips her esophagus out from the inside. It's disgusting. But anyway, Foley attempts to assault Nika again, but is knocked out by one of the Chucky dolls. Two dolls are now alive due to Madeline's doll splitting its soul inside of Foley's doll. One of the dolls awakens the short-haired doll, and the Chucky's reveal that the original Chucky found a voodoo spell on the internet which allowed him to separate his soul into multiple host bodies, creating a cult. Alice was the one host, but she was killed. The dolls then killed Carlos, the orderly. 
Tiffany returns and kills a security guard outside, and Foley's Chucky transfers his soul into Nika, giving her body the ability to walk again. Which I don't know if we should say the word again, because she was never really able to walk in the first place. Mm-hmm. But despite that, she attempt- she stomps on Foley's head using high heel shoes that Foley had given Nika earlier, which kills him. And she stumbles upon Malcolm, who has killed fellow nurse Ashley, before confessing that he knows he is not really Chucky. He merely created Charles as an alternative personality. He is suddenly ambushed and killed by Madeline's Chucky, and the short-haired Chucky attacks Andy, but Andy restrains him and reaches into the doll's chest, pulling out a hidden gun and revealing that he had sent him to the institution. He shoots the doll and stomps on its head, killing it. Nika appears and taunts him, and Andy tries to shoot at her, only to discover that she is he has no ammunition left in the doll. Gun. Nika locks Andy inside his cell. Madeline's Chucky feigns lifelessness, and Nika, possessed by Foley's Chucky, escapes. She reunites with Tiffany outside before driving off together with a Tiffany doll who's also alive and sharing a portion of Tiffany's soul. In a post-credit scene, Andy's former foster sister, Kyle, enters Andy's house, having been sent to continue torturing the original Chucky's severed head. I will say my favorite scene is when all the Chuckies are talking to each other. Yeah, that's what I was saying before. It's pretty dark and gruesome in, like, the first two acts, but then towards the final act, it's when it starts to kind of get a little silly. But that was the thing I kind of liked, that it was getting serious, you know, through that time, but there right. was also a little bit of funniness. And you kind of figure that when they try to do something serious at first, and then the next movie they will find something to be a little bit more comical. I found something interesting, too. So Chucky compares one of the other Chucky dolls to Hannibal Lecter, adding, Can't believe they canceled that show. Writer-director Don Mancini wrote two of the episodes for the Hannibal show in 2013. Oh. During its third and unexpectedly final season. Which I think is hilarious. Wow, what a coincidence. Yeah, so I thought all of that was really interesting. Any other thoughts you want to give about this movie? Other than when I was kind of shocked when they possess um, Nika mm-hmm. and everything. I was kind of sad about that because I wanted her to succeed, but... She didn't, but but yeah, no, it was it was pretty good, especially um, Andy, Andy's character in the movie where he's tried to be an adult, yeah, but he's kind of suffering too from like years of like, well, suffering from PS uh, PTSD, which I kind of see right there, but yeah, yeah, I was gonna say Don Mancini revealed that Andy now suffers from PTSD, and he also kind of implied too that the one way that Andy could have been financially taken care of was from insurance lawsuits for the murders Mm -hmm. because eventually i mean it wasn't because it wasn't just andy's family that got targeted by a murder doll you know it was the kincaids which is jade's family from bride of chucky it was the tillies the valentines all those people they eventually all claimed that a good guy doll was killing people and andy was like see i'm not the only victim here and multiple people have been attacked by good guy dolls that your your company made and they probably just paid him in hush money to like keep quiet about it and we'll give you all this money which i don't think he would really do 
But that's just me thinking out loud. Yeah. Anything else you want to chime in before we go into the show? Uh, no, other than everything was perfectly uh, perfectly good in this movie. I know people like hate on it and stuff, but I actually like it. Yeah, and I will say that for the most part... It's cult better, fi- yeah, it's better than the uh, Child's Play movie with Mark Hamill, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, anything's really better than that one, I will say that. But the thing about Cult of Chucky that I liked was the fact that it still kept the darkness, it still kept the grittiness and the gruesomeness of the scenes, you know, it was still held true to the original plot line of the movie. I think bringing characters back like Andy and Tiffany and Kyle really bring that nostalgia forward. But here's my problem though. I feel like for most of us diehard fans who have seen the original Chucky movies, it's like when we watch The Curse of Chucky and The Cult of Chucky and we see Andy and Kyle and Tiffany, we look at these characters as characters we're totally familiar with. But Unless you're like a newer generational then audience you don't member. Know, yeah. yeah, and you've never grown up on the Child's Play franchise, and then you watch Curse and Cult of Chucky and even the Chucky series, you're not gonna know who any of these people are. You're not gonna know what their history is and yeah. why what what brings them all together, which is Chucky essentially, that whole aspect. Alright, so let's get into the next thing. The Chucky TV show was released last year in 2021 and is directed by Don Mancini and Kim Garland with executive producer David Kirshner and was re- premiered on Sci-Fi and the USA Network. It has an IMDb score of 7.3 out of 10 and a 91% score on Rotten Tomatoes, which is pretty interesting. It stars Zachary Arthur, Tio Briones, Olivia Allen Lind, and Bjorvin Arneson. I b- believe I'm pronouncing those right, I'm not sure. It also includes Fiona Duraf, Alex Vincent, Christine Elise, and Jennifer Tilly reprising their roles from previous films. And to give a brief plot summarization, the plot goes, the series takes place after the events of Cult of Chucky. In the city of Hackensack, New Jersey, 14-year-old Jake Wheeler buys a good guy doll at a yard sale to use it as his contemporary art project. He later discovers that the doll is possessed by the soul of serial killer Charles Lee Ray, who is in this form known as Chucky. Jake soon becomes a suspect in a series of strange events involving the doll who unleashes a wave of shocking murders around the town. Some of the boys' classmates will also see themselves linked to these events. In addition, a series of flashbacks explores Charles Pass as a seemingly normal kid who somehow became one of Hackensack's most notorious killers. Starring mostly teenagers and advertised as a coming-of-age story, the series tackles themes of sexuality, bullying, domestic life, and murder. The main character, Jake Wheeler, finds himself prompted by to homicidal acts by the doll while also struggling with his crush on a classmate, Devin, and other issues that arise from being gay in unaccepting environments. Music was composed by Joseph Loduca, and the director of cinematography was Colin Holt, who did a phenomenal job coordinating all these different shots and frames for these really big moments in the show. Like, there's a moment in particular that I loved where Junior was about to confront his father and by confront, I mean kill. And his father is sloppy drunk and is disoriented. And you can definitely tell by the way that when he stumbles, the camera just kind of tilts along with the movements. And there's a moment where he actually loses his footing and falls to one side of the frame. 
and the camera screen actually tilts with it, which I thought was very impactful because it gives that audience that sense of disorientation along with Logan in being that in that mindset, which I thought was really, really great. What were your thoughts on this season of Chucky? Well, my thoughts for it, yes. I will say that it was great. Mm -hmm. I actually was kind of nervous about seeing this one because I thought it would be just as bad as probably the third or the seed of Chucky. I thought it was going to be too comical. But ever since Cult and Curse came out, I feel like there's that fine line that it could be yeah. good, that it's not only terrifying, but it can culminate both those two, of the horror and the scary aspect. No, I mean the horror mm -hmm. and the comedy aspect. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it didn't disappoint. It was like a fine line. It was like it was like drinking a iced tea. Like you have the combination of both and it has a sweet taste to it. The show is pretty damn good, I would say. I, I liked it a lot. It definitely surprised me. Yeah, and I did want to go over the kill count in Chucky because I know I kind of glossed over the plot a little bit, but I figure we can go through them in the order in which these happen and then kind of talk about them a little bit. Mm -hmm. As we go through the list. Yeah. You ready? Yes. Okay, so after Jake gets Chucky from the yard sale, he brings him home and he get a bit of a dynamic in the house. It's just him and his dad and a cat named Binksy, which I think is like a little homage to the cat from Hocus Pocus. Mm -hmm. And then somewhere along the way, Binksy starts to kind of get a little uneasy with the Chucky doll being yeah. in the house in an off-screen moment the cat is killed by chucky because he's getting a little too suspicious as time goes on in the first episode we get a bit of a sense as to who jake is as a person and what his school life is like he goes to school with the chucky doll and he's trying to look for somebody to sell it and his cousin junior also attends the same school it's friends with his crush devin evans which i think is interesting that they picked that as like his name Devin Evans. Devin Evans. Devin's character I can relate to because he is a true crime podcaster, which we love here at the Admiral Podcast. So yeah. I was really interested to see Devin take on that sort of a role, especially since he really highlights the Hackensack, New Jersey crime scene, which I think is really cool. We get a sense that Junior's girlfriend, Lexi Cross, who is the daughter of the mayor, which did you know that the woman who plays the mayor is actress who plays Lexi's real mom. Mm -hmm. So in real life, Lexi and her mom are re real mother and daughter. Oh, wow. Did you know that? No. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. And it's really interesting, too, because as you watch the show go on, you see Lexi's home life, and it's a very odd and kind of sad home life because they're, her, her mom is the mayor, and her dad is a stay-at-home dad. Mm -hmm. And they have a younger daughter, Caroline, or who is on a spectrum. And they seem a lot more doting and caring for her than they do with Lexi. She, for some reason, hates Jake. And it's never really been addressed why that is. But she has it really out for him. I had a theory, but I don't know, really. It's just me thinking out loud when oh, we were watching Say it with this. your chest. Come on. So I believed that Lexi may have at one point had a crush on Jake and she may have tried to express those feelings to him. But I, when he told her that he's gay and into her like that, she probably felt a little jilted. And probably that's why she started dating Junior because he was the closest thing to Jake that she could get close to. By most people's accounts, 
people do tend to like her, even though she's a major bitch, especially after what we see her oh, do in this a season. Bitch and a half. I didn't like her in the beginning of the series. In the beginning, she has very, very unredeeming qualities, but she gets better I had the halfway same, through the season. I had the same feeling when I was first watching Stranger Things and I first saw Steve Harrington yeah. and I hated him because he was such a dick to Will's brother. I was, Jonathan. I, I still hate Steve Harrington. I well, don't care. I feel like, here's the thing, kind of like the same thing with Steve Harrington, this girl in the beginning, and the in the end of the series, really kind of like built her character up to not be so much of a bitch anymore. Yeah, and we'll, get, we'll talk a little bit more about her character arc throughout yeah. the series, but I wanted to go a little bit further because towards the end of the first episode it's interesting because towards the end jake goes to the school for their talent show right Mm -hmm. and lexi being a typical bitch is trying to call out jake and devin for having crushes on each other which is odd because devin is also her friend just as much as he is junior's friend so for her to target devin so that's really weird yeah it is odd but chucky managed to follow jake to the school and starts to kind of like like use his normal speaking voice so the charles lee ray voice to kind of goad her and they do like an impromptu ventriloquist act jake which and chucky th- which that was actually really good i thought that was brilliant i thought that whole scene was amazing first of all not only put lexi in her place for being a total fucking bitch but it gives the audience a bit of a insight as to what is with this doll like what is wrong with this doll because there is something wrong with this doll we've seen it talk in its good guy voice you know mm-hmm. the high-pitched squeaky like hi i'm chucky want to play and it's wow, like wow you actually did that really good not really but yeah. anyway like we hear it talk like that in the beginning we don't really think much of it so then when we start to hear it talk like an adult male it's very off-putting so it's very very weird for this doll to not only talk and swear and curse but when it starts to read like Lexi's search engine on her uh, phone, it's very weird. So Jake gets suspended for his talent act at school and his father gets pissed off at him. Jake goes home and they get into an argument about Jake's sexuality. His dad punches him for it and Jake goes up in his room. His dad, Lucas Wheeler, who I realized that was his name because we were having a hard time figuring out the difference between Lucas and Logan. So Lucas figures out that he was drinking before Jake got home and during the altercation he notices that all of his whiskey is gone mm-hmm. and so the power goes out and Lucas goes downstairs to investigate in the basement and as he's fiddling with the circuit breaker which is electrical equipment Chucky shows up and he spews the whiskey all over the floor causing Lucas to get electrocuted and he dies huh. yes it's very, very, very weird. But it's like the first human kill we see in this season, and it's very strange. We have seen this sort of kill happen in Bride of Chucky, mm-hmm. and that was an even sort of chilling scene as well. But so far we have a cat, and we have his dad, and that's just within the first episode. In the second episode, after Jake's dad's death, he moves in with his uncle and his family, which is... Logan Wheeler, Bree Wheeler, who's his wife, and Junior, who's his cousin. His little cousin's a little shit. His cousin? I don't know what the issue is with his cousin. He's because, got something up his ass. Yeah, because in the first episode, we saw like a weird 
thing happen at a family dinner. Logan and then his family come over to Jake's house and they have dinner. Mm-hmm. And Junior's acting very weirdly, like passive aggressive with his comments about Jake being a weird kid, being gay, having a weird fascination with dolls, disembodied doll parts, and all that stuff. I don't know. It's just a very odd dynamic. But. Bree and Logan welcome Jake to their home with open arms, and they introduce to the house, put him in a guest room, mm-hmm. and they go to school the next day, trying to move on with like normal lives. I think this is actually like a week since his dad's passing is yeah. when he goes back to school. Which is so weird how that happens, and how do you go on after that, especially your parent dying? Not only that, but your only surviving parent, because Jake was a when we are introduced to Jake in the first episode his mom has since passed away from a car accident and his dad's the only surviving parent so now he has no parents he's an orphan at this point and he's living with his uncle and family who aren't all that accepting of him as a person Mm -hmm. so through chucky chucky tries to convince jake that lexi's a total bitch you should go kill her yeah he convinces him your dad got what he deserved he was a total asshole and he even relates to jake saying he has a queer kid too who's gender fluid relating to glenn and glenda from seed of chucky which i think is very interesting that they mentioned them i love that they reference that because you could tell that's really the whole franchise just coming together in that universe that all those all those movies coexist Not only do they all coexist within the same universe, but again, it's that representation, LGBTQIA representation that doesn't really get a whole lot of exposure in horror movies. And when they do, it's, especially in earlier movies in the 70s and 80s, it was never really all that received well. So it's interesting to see it in this light when you have Don Mancini, who's gay himself, and you have other gay icons. Don Mancini gay? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and you have other icons of that community all playing parts in this show and all working together to create something that's not only new and exciting for not just diehard fans of the franchise, but newer fans as well and younger fans of the franchise. So it's got something for everybody in this show, which I love. Yeah. So in the second episode, I think we get two, maybe three kills. So we have the housekeeper, the Wheeler's housekeeper, Annie. I think her name is Annie. I might be wrong, but she gets killed while cleaning the house. Chucky pushes her into the washing machine with all these butcher knives sticking up. Mm -hmm. I know you flinched when I said that too. I was thinking about something in my mind. But you were thinking about that scene, weren't you? I was just thinking about my body just... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, just imagine if that actually happened. So, Junior and Jake come Ugh. home from school, and they find Annie, and they call the police, and... I'm, s- I'm sorry, I felt the chills. They they rule her death as an accident. Yeah. But the fact that between Jake's dad and now the Wheeler's housekeeper, like, these are two accidental deaths within a short amount of time, all kind of surrounding Jake Wheeler, which starts to give the police a little bit of questionable glances at him. Which the police, by the way, the leading investigator is Devin's mom, Detective Evans. She's the lead investigator in these cases. And her partner, Sean Payton, are working the cases. I think that's also very interesting. And then later on in the episode, Lexi and her friends all throw like a little impromptu, like silent disco party at her house. Mm -hmm. Chucky, trying to still get at Lexi, accidentally kills their friend Oliver in the process of trying to get at her. 
So he kills Oliver, tries to corner Lexi in her room, which then starts a fire in the house and causes major damage, and sends her sister into the hospital, which is, I think, what happens, carries on into episode three, right? Mm-hmm. We get these flashbacks of Charles Lee Ray's life, and we see it throughout the season. So when he was a kid, his father was murdered by an unknown killer in the neighborhood, and while his mom and ho- while his mom and himself were hiding from the killer in the closet, he turns and stabs his mom, yeah. making that his very first kill. It's a very pivotal moment in his young life where he was already fascinated with the concept of gore and horror and killing, and he finally acts on it by killing his mother. So we get that flashback, and then I believe in episode three is when they're in the hospital, and Jake starts to kind of let it know to Lexi, like, hey, Chucky is alive. And she's like, yeah, I already know, because I saw him try to kill me in my house. He's like, I knew he was alive. He's like, I knew he wanted to kill you. Because he reluctantly gives Chucky to Lexi because her sister, Carolyn, loves this little doll of of his. And she wants Chucky. So he gives the doll to Lexi to send to her house, knowing that Chucky's going to try to kill her. So even though she's upset by this news, they still decide to team up together and try to find Chucky. Well, yeah, she has no choice. Yeah, and then along the way, they recruit Devin into their search because Devin, being the true crime fanatic... that he is, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. He decides to do his own research, and he actually looks into the past murders surrounding the good guy doll named Chucky. So he becomes more self-aware of what's going on with this doll and believes Jake and Lexi when they say, yeah, this doll is alive and is trying to kill people... So Mm -hmm. he joins their team, and they decide to leave Junior out of the midst, which I don't understand why they do. They should have, but... They they, should have, but... They knew that he probably wouldn't believe it. Yeah. Junior wouldn't understand, and he's a pretty sensitive kid, and he's not going to believe what we say, so... He's a little punk bitch, yeah. But it starts to raise suspicion on his end, because he's like, Lexi never liked Jake. And now Jake is suddenly sociable with my girlfriend and Devin, who's my friend. So he starts to feel like... Jake is encroaching on his life and taking people away from him. Like, what's going on? Yeah. So, he starts to get a little leery about this. But as the episode three goes on, they're trying to find Chucky. Chucky, who's already mangled from the burning of the house fire, still is trying to go after both Jake and Lexi. And by sneaking their way back into the hospital, because they had to go back and forth from the hospital to Lexi's house to find clues and see if he was still there, and then being transferred back to the hospital to be with her family... Chucky gets brought with them to the hospital, and he actually kills the detective's partner, Detective Peyton. Yeah. Which is a ver- another very gruesome death, because he, he stabs him with a bunch of hypodermic needles and mm. kills him, which is very gruesome and yeah, gross. exactly. And in a flashback scene in this episode, a teenage Chucky is in a foster care facility for young boys and actually kills a janitor who is very abusive to him in the system. So he kills the janitor, hides his body in the woods, and then starts to kind of recruit these young boys as to being, like, his little minions or something. Well, all but one of them runs away. And the one who stays ends up being Eddie Caputo. The the guy we would come to later on know would be Chucky's assistant or accomplice in Child's Play Part 1. Yeah, his little bitch. (laughs) So we get another flashback kill scene in Episode 3. And then in Episode 4, we kind of pick up what's been going on with Tiffany and Chucky slash Nika, who are on the road together. They've been killing with each other. 
and when we see them they're in a hotel room making out and they've got two male victims one who's already dead and one who's being held hostage and bound and gagged to a chair and we kind of get in a sense that nika may still be present within her body because Mm. she starts to kind of phase in and out of consciousness like for one minute we get chucky who's walking around in nika's body killing people making out with tiffany and then the second instant we see nika unable to walk freaking out seem to have trying to fill in gaps in the time that she's lost being under Chucky's control. We have that going on. At one point, Nika goes from phasing in to phasing out, and then when Chucky comes back, he kills the man that they have tied up. Now, Tiffany does notice during this time that Nika has been fading in and out of consciousness Mm -hmm. and taking back control of her body. And she confides in Nika at one point in time, saying, I prefer your company over Chucky's. And I want to keep it this way, but I don't know how, how you're doing what you're doing. So she knocks Nika out, ties her up, puts her in the trunk, and they drive to Hackensack. And it's revealed later on that Tiffany actually bought Chucky's childhood home in Hackensack, New Jersey. Huh. And that becomes their kind of home base headquarters for their master plan. Their, their plan has never really been fully disclosed until towards the end of the season, which is the plan, I believe, is Chucky's going to possess multiple good guy dolls and they're going to send all across the country to kids so they're going to send out these good guy dolls and these kids are going to get them and these dolls are going to convince the kids to kill their parents and go from there yeah so after we get the kill from the hostage from nika slash chucky we get another kill at the end of episode four i believe because we have a assembly going on at the school talking about the tragic events surrounding all these mysterious deaths and the ongoing investigation. Towards the end of this assembly, the principal is supposed to come out and say a few words, but then it's revealed that the principal has been decapitated and killed, and it's revealed to the rest of the group that Chucky very much is still alive because they believe to have ended him at one point in time in this season. Well, and that happens. They didn't, yeah, because yeah, that happens quite a lot. Because because there's so many multiples of these dolls, they think that by killing one, they've killed him, and they don't. And Chucky is able to transfer his soul at this point into multiple host bodies, and by k- killing one, they haven't really killed him. So now they realize, oh shit, we're still dealing with this guy, and we need to figure out a way to put a stop to him for good. Mm-hmm. So the principal is killed, and the next day. Their science teacher is arrested and pinned for the murders. And then we get more flashbacks. So in 1980s, an adult Chucky, who's played by Fiona Duroff in very heavy prosthetic makeup and wigs, meets Tiffany during the 80s. Mm-hmm. And I think that flashback scene was very odd. And the only kill I see in this episode was the one where he, he meets an exotic dancer before Tiffany. And she's a very aggressive type of woman. So he thinks that if I recruit with her, I can pick up more victims this way and her and I can kill together. But when he meets Tiffany, something about her is different. And he decides, well, now I don't want the other girl. Now I want this chick. So he kills the exotic dancer and then allows Tiffany to stab her. And that's when she kind of awakens into this woman that we know today as Vicky Valentine. Yeah. So that happens, and then the next death that we see, sadly, is Bree Wheeler, Junior's mom. That is incredibly sad. Throughout the first half of the season, it hasn't been fully revealed, but it's known that she's keeping a secret from a lot of people close in her life. She's got a secret that she hasn't even told 
her family. Yeah. And she has stage four cancer. That's the secret. She doesn't want her family to worry Which about is her. Which nuts, too. It's, it's very sad. Cancer is no fucking joke. So... Trust me. The, the cancer is definitely in my family, for sure. Yeah. And so she has been keeping it to herself, mm-hmm. but she's been going to therapy about it. And the therapist says you need to start letting people in in order to help you heal. So she does confide in her husband and lets Junior know, I have cancer. It's very serious. But we're gonna we're gonna get through this together as a family. So in her next session, she decides I feel good having told them about my illness, but I don't want to continue treatment. Like I don't want to do chemotherapy. I just want to live out the, re- the remainder of my years with my family, not being totally sick. Because chemotherapy will do that to you. It'll it's make su- you more sick. Well, or chemotherapy is supposed to. Or not make you more sick. It's supposed to break down the cancerous cells that are causing you harm already to your body but the because it's radiation it does have everlasting effects like it causes hair loss it causes weight loss it causes a lot of physical ailments but if she doesn't take the chemo then she's gonna die quicker well if she doesn't do the chemotherapy the cancer is going to progress and then she will eventually die a lot sooner than with radiation but she doesn't want to do that so she decides i'm going to go ahead with my life without treatment her therapist thinks it's a bad idea but she's mm-hmm. given her time to think on it and as she's leaving the building she stops in this big floor to ceiling window coincidentally the window is like right above her car where junior is sitting and chucky decides to push a mail carrier cart into her and pushes her out the window which is causing her death he pushed pretty hard for for uh yes the cart to hit through yes. the window like that and then on top of that happening in the same episode, I think by the end of this episode, which is episode five, Jake, Lexi, and Devin are trying to capture Chucky one more time. And they try to do it at Junior's house while Junior and his dad are at the funeral home preparing for Bree's funeral. Mm-hmm. Devin's mom shows up. Chucky jumps her and pushes her down the stairs, causing her to break her neck and die. So now we've got two deaths happening in the span of one episode. And in another flashback scene, we see Chucky and Tiffany purchase a car from a man whose throat they slit. This would be the car that they would be driving around in almost every movie together. And then the next death scene to occur after this, it's after Bree's funeral, after Devin has moved out of his house with his, from his mom and into his aunt's house, and he's just trying to get himself situated, trying to figure out what the next plan is. It's in this moment that I think Devin and Lexi realize, like, this is starting to become a lot more serious, and a lot of people that we love are starting to die. And Devin starts to con- come to the conclusion, maybe we should just stop this let it go and just try to get away from this as much as possible, which is what encourages him to want to move away from Hackensack, which Jake doesn't really want him to go. And then eventually they do reconcile and get back together and continue their investigation with this. Mm-hmm. So after Bree's funeral scene and after the group kind of disbands for a while, Chucky starts to get into Junior's head. He makes it aware to him that he is alive And he starts to put all of the blame on Junior's problems on his dad. Mm -hmm. Because Tiffany does show up at the funeral and she makes this big scene with Logan and she actually kisses him. And it starts to raise a lot of eyebrows for people, but mostly Junior. Because he's like, what the fuck? Fuck dad. Yeah, he's like, my mom just died and you're making out with this woman at her funeral. And he actually looked at it like it was nothing. Well, Logan didn't know who this woman was, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't do anything to stop her from kissing him, which is the odd thing. So, so that's weird. Chucky getting into Junior's head about it 
causes Junior to get angry at his dad. So Chucky encourages Junior to kill Logan, and he does by wailing on him with Chucky. Which my favorite part is when Chucky's just screaming, you know, oh, we. Yeah. So, yeah, when Junior's wailing on him, the camera does cut from... It's a slow-mo of Junior wailing on his dad with the Chucky doll, and then all of a sudden you see Chucky's face, and he's like, whoa, we Like, I saw that and thought it was the funniest but, fucking thing to but happen. But here's the thing about that, that what made it so funny. It was such an intense, serious scene mm-hmm. and moment. It's like, how can you get more serious than this? Like, you know, it was very, very, like, just crazy how you can beat someone like that with a doll and, but the funny part was, is, is it was getting so serious and intense, all of a sudden it says Chucky yeah. just breaking into humor with See, his thing. And, and, just, and that's the thing about this show that I like, is that even with the darkness of these murder scenes, there's always some underlining humor to it, which I think is very interesting. See, that's how they should have made some of the movies that should have been f- more funny, like, in that sense. Like, Child's Play 3 could have been that funny. Right. Or see to Chucky could have been that funny, or any of the other ones, but no. Right, and then in a flashback <laughs> scene in this episode, we see Tiffany and Chucky move to Chicago, and they kill two people in these flashback scenes. Tiffany and Chucky kill a pizza delivery man after moving into their first apartment together, and then Tiffany comes home one night and discovers that Chucky is killing somebody without so that, her. That's where Child's Play, the first one, was taking place. That was in Chicago. That wasn't in Detroit. It could have been Detroit. I might be wrong. I thought it was Chicago. Maybe it was Chicago. Anyway. I don't know. But Tiffany discovers that Chucky has been killing people without her, which results in her turning him into the police. Which is why when I said in Curse of Chucky, it was revealed that Sarah, Nika's mother, had turned him into the police. And it's revealed later on that Tiffany also made a similar phone call, encouraging Detective Mike Norris to hunt down the Lakeshore Strangler, which is also known as Chucky. Yeah. In the next episode, Devin kind of goes off. He kind of goes rogue. He goes to find out what's going on with Chucky, with Tiffany, and all the stuff that he's found out about, you know, the childhood home, the newspaper clippings, and even Andy Barkley. Because Andy Barkley does come up quite a bit in this part, in this half of the season. Mm-hmm. And they actually do reach out to Andy, who's teaming up with Kyle, and they're going across the country killing all these good guy dolls that are possessed by Chucky. And then Kyle and Andy reach Hackensack, New Jersey, and they find Jake, Devin, and Lexi. Mm-hmm. And Andy encourages the kids, we'll do this, you guys stay here, and we'll take care of Chucky. Devin goes to the house, he gets captured by Nika, who's still possessed by Chucky, and ties him up. Tiffany and Chucky... It's a weird a weird situation when this happens. So when Devin shows up at the house, he unties Nika, thinking she's Nika Pierce, and not really a Chucky-possessed human. And then Nika turns and handcuffs him and ties him up or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then Tiffany comes home with Junior and the other Chucky doll, the one that Jake has been living with. Are you paying attention? Yes. What are you doing? Yes, I'm paying attention. So... They're all talking. They're all shooting the shit. 
Junior, the Chucky doll, the Nika Chucky, and Tiffany. Mm-hmm. The Chuckies, the two Chuckies that are talking to each other are kind of being a little rude to Tiffany. And Tiffany, you know, it's constantly reminding them both, like, you've needed me to carry out this whole plan. And you guys are just being total assholes to me, as usual. And so getting fed up with Chucky's bullshit, she hits Nika over the head, which not only brings Nika back to consciousness, it actually kills the part of Chucky's soul that's in her, which keeps Chucky away for good. So she did that, realizing what she did. She's like, oh, God, I killed the Chucky soul in Nika's body. And then she turns on the Chucky doll and decapitates the doll. And that's when she reveals to him, who do you think called the cops that night you were killed? And, you know, it's revealed that she called the cops on him, which I always thought that part was just amazing. But then she reveals to Devin and to Junior and the other Chuckies that she's had this bomb set up in this whole house. A gift that she says is from her child, Glenda. So Glenda gives her a makeup kit that's lined with explosives, and she's used it to wire trip the house so if anybody tries to come in the the house will explode (coughs) so they leave Devin there Andy comes in he manages to get in without tripping the wire he unties Devin tells Devin to go I'm gonna stop Tiffany and Chucky from getting away so they all get away and Kyle comes through the front door and she accidentally trips the wire and causes the house to explode and we're left to think that Andy and Kyle have both died in the explosion Now, I put Kyle down on the list, but I put a question mark next to her name because I'm not totally sure if she dies. Oh, we'll find out in the season, so... Yes. After that is when the big finale happens at the end. So, the community decides that in the face of all this death and despair and tragedies, they're going to hold a movie night at the local movie theater to raise money for a charity (sighs) with a celebrity guest, which is Jennifer Tilly aka Tiffany. She is donating a bunch of good guy dolls and the movie they're actually going to see for this event is Frankenstein the Mm. iconic universal film. So they're in the movie theater and a bunch of these reporters, people who come to participate in the event and then the mayor and her family. So Mayor Cross, her husband Nathan their daughter Charlotte or Caroline, I can't remember her name again And Lexi's even there. But Lexi notices that Junior, too, is there with a bunch of Chucky dolls. And she tries to save him, thinking that he's in trouble. She finds Junior and a Chucky doll hiding in the back of the screen. And, again, Chucky is trying to convince Junior to kill somebody. This time he tries to convince Junior to kill Lexi. But Junior thinks that he can convince Lexi to join them. They go a bit back and forth with this. And then eventually what happens is Junior overcomes Chucky and they get into a scuffle and they end up stabbing each other. So Junior dies and this Chucky doll dies from being stabbed by one another, right? While this is also happening, there's another Chucky doll who's crawling underneath the seats of the movie theater and he's stabbing people through the seats and kills Nathan Cross, Lexi's dad. And there's a huge fire that breaks out in the movie theater and there's a huge stampede of people people get trampled people continue to get stabbed to death and eventually jake devin and lexi are able to overcome the leader of the chucky group but not before they see a truck drive away with all the other chucky dolls and it happens to be andy that's driving because tiffany goes to send off the truck to be delivered to all those hospitals but andy's the one who gets in the truck 
and drives away with all of them in hopes to destroy them. But not before we see the window glass break from the back of the truck bed and Tiffany is holding a gun at him. And when I say Tiffany, I mean Tiffany the doll is now taking Andy and the truck hostage with all these possessed Chucky dolls. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where we're at with the season one of Chucky. What did you think? Any thoughts? That was a lot of info, but yeah. I know. I I tried to condense it. I was just going to go through these. Yeah, that didn't... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in total, though, there was You condense it like a Lord of the Rings series. There were at least 21 kill scenes that I have written down on my list. And I am including the cat, so don't judge me. The cat... Yes, I'm including the cat. But the cat. We did mm-hmm. we did rewatch the trailer for season two. Mm-hmm. What were your thoughts on season two? I like how that's going to be because, I mean, I feel like they're kind of going back to like the child's play three bases of like them going to a school, but this is not a military school. This yes. is a private school. Private school. Yes. And I think it's cool that they're doing that and. I like how this is going to be a lot more intense you didn't, and you don't know what's going to happen in this season. Yeah. I think that's the part I like about it. It's going to have, I believe, a pretty good amount of references, not only from the third Child's Play movie. I think it's going to have plenty of references from Seed of Chucky because from what I saw in the trailer, we are going to get appearances from Glenn and Glenda, Tiffany and Chucky's kids. And they are non-binary children. They go by they, them. But I think it's going to be an interesting season. I'm really looking forward to it. I can't wait for it to come out. It's coming out on October 5th, right? Mm-hmm. Next month. Yeah. Yes, it is. So we got about a month away. I'm very excited. But you know what this means, though? We have finally finished the Child's Play franchise speed review trilogy. Freaking thank God. I'm so happy that we did. Because it's been taking a very long time. And... This part was going to be posted a little later in the week than usual. I do apologize for it. It's been a long, long time trying to get all the right pieces of information ready for these episodes. And it's taken a lot of time to edit, post, and all that stuff. It's just taking a very long time. But I promise that the next few weeks it's going to be a lot more smoother sailing from here on out. And I'm actually really excited for next week's episode because... I decided that next week we're going to be going over horror movie fan theories. And what I will be doing also with this, I'll be going on our Instagram and I'll be doing a poll or Q&A on our uh, stories. Mm-hmm. And if anybody has any horror fan theories you guys want us to talk about on the show, plug it in and we will try to cover as much as we can. I do have a couple already pulled from the internet, but I would like to hear what other people have to say when it comes to fan theories. So, is there anything you want to talk about before we sign off? No, other than if you really want to get a chance to watch watch a show, yeah, watch it, see for yourself, see what you think of it, and yeah, look forward to second season. Yeah. That's going to be a blast. Way to stab into the Halloween season. (laughs) Stay tuned for next week's episode. I hope you all enjoy that as well. This has been an episode of the Abby Normal Podcast. I am your host, Aaliyah. And I'm Colin. Signing off saying, hi, we're Colin and Aaliyah. Want to listen to our podcast? As always, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. We are currently on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. 
Be sure to give us a like, subscribe, or a nice review for our podcast. It helps boost our show positively. You can also follow us on Instagram and now on TikTok. 